0: Good morning, Living Hope. It is uh, really, really good to see everybody. Uh, I, actually, I wish I could see you in, in person, but I'm glad you're joining us online. Um, normally, at some point during the service, we will tell people to um, turn around and shake your neighbor's hand uh, or you know, give them a hug or something like that. So I thought, why don't we do the uh, Facebook Live version of that? Everybody right now, just comment over there. Hi. Just say hi, and then everybody look around, and if you see somebody you don't know, introduce yourself and, and uh, make a connection that way, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Also, occasionally throughout the service, you'll see a, a graphic uh, right below me that uh, talks about LHC.today. That is our digital connection card. So uh, if you're new to Living Hope and you'd like more information uh, about us, uh, like to get connected with what's going on in our church, go to LHC.today. And, uh, and we'll uh, definitely uh, get you uh, connected with all the pertinent information. Also, same thing as our normal connection cards. If you have a prayer request, you can share your prayer requests on uh, those as well. LHC.today, and uh, that'll be great. All right. So we are kicking off a new series this morning uh, that we're calling, we're calling Won't You Be My Neighbor? And in this, we're going to look at, well, today what we're going to look at is a little bit what about that that video just talked about, the idea that... Jesus took this uh, very, very Jewish concept and tweaked it and turned it on its head in a really interesting way. So basically for millennia, like thousands of years, every devout Jew has uh, started off their day with a with a prayer, and the, that prayer comes from the book of Deuteronomy, which if you don't know, it's the study of dudes, and, uh, and it's a, from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and Uh, that verse, those verses say, and the way their prayer goes, it goes like this. Hear, O Israel. In fact, they call this prayer the Shema. And Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. And so the prayer goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And every devout Jew for for centuries, for millennia, has started off their day saying this prayer, recentering themselves on the fact that they serve a God and he is one God and that they should com- devote their whole life to his law and to uh, just giving their life to him and living that day for them. And thousands of years go by of, of devout Jews praying that prayer until about 2,000 years ago, a little boy is born that we know as Jesus. And Jesus, coming from a devout Jewish family, would have been no different. He grew up every single day praying that prayer, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with everything that's in you. Every single day. Every single day. You fast forward about, oh, 30 years, and and Jesus is now an adult. He started his ministry. His ministry is really beginning to take off. And as it's taking off, uh, he is not just looked at as a great teacher and a great prophet, but he's also beginning to be looked at as a bit of a troublemaker. And uh, as he begins to kind of upset the religious apple cart, of the Jewish faith uh, by criticizing <clears throat> the Pharisees, criticizing the priests, criticizing the experts of the law and all of that kind of stuff. And they realize that the people are loving his message and thousands are coming out to hear him. Uh, and he is just gaining this popularity and it's just, it's just, he's just growing like wildfire. And so when we get to Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12 is this series of encounters that Jesus has with all the religious elite And time after time, we're told they were trying to trap him. They were trying to ensnare him, get him to say the wrong thing. And one of these experts of the law looks at Jesus and says, "Uh, Teacher, tell me, what's the greatest commandment? Now, as we saw in that video, there were hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament. And this guy wants to go, okay, let's, let's see how good a Jew this guy is, right? And so, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers, with this. Mark 12, starting with verse 29. Jesus says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So, so far, so good. Jesus is passing the the good Jew test right now, okay? But then he adds something. He tweaks it in, in In this really interesting way, and he says this, and the second is this: love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now what Jesus does that when we you know we're we're two thousand years removed, and we're used to hearing these stories, and we've read these scriptures so many times that they've lost their shock value to us. But what Jesus does is actually really shocking for that time. He takes one of the most essential, probably the most essential creed. Uh, about what it means to be a devout Jew, and he actually changes it. He adds to it. You just don't. You just don't do that. If I, you know, the church has, uh, you know, for, it's been around for two thousand years now, and over the years, there's been different creeds that have come along, and and uh, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and things like that. And and if you, some of you grew up in traditions where where you recited those creeds on a regular basis, you you, you have them memorized. And, uh, and really committed to heart. <clears throat> if I was to recite one of those creeds right now and then add to the end of it, oh, yes, yes, and also you need to wash your pastor's car every week, right? Like you would lose your mind because you, like, you would like, what are you doing changing something that's sacred? That, that's just not okay. And Jesus does this thing where he adds this little phrase where he says, and the second one is, is just like it. It's, it's, it's equal with the one that you guys grew up reciting, Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is a quote from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives us this really, really beautiful little commentary. He says, there is no commandment greater than these. None. There's a, a Christian author uh, that I like to read, a guy by the name of Scott McKnight. And he wrote a book uh, several years ago called The Jesus Creed. And this is what he calls this, this little section of uh, of, uh a scripture here. He calls it the Jesus Creed. Jesus took what was the essential Jewish creed, and he kind of turned it on its ear, and he made it the Jesus Creed. And by doing that, he sets for us uh, a, a, this beautiful pattern of what life in Christ looks like, what it will be like. So when he says love your neighbor as yourself, that kind of leads the question for us as, well, who is, who is my neighbor? In fact, in one of the other gospels, somebody actually asked him that question. Who is my neighbor? And he tells a story about that. But I just want to talk about that for a little bit. When we talk about our role as followers of Jesus Christ to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, like who is actually our neighbor? Of course, my neighbor is my neighbor. My my physical neighbor, the people who live in the houses close to my house, those guys are, are my neighbors. And uh, I like to occasionally, you know, uh, walk out to the street and have conversations with them. And if we see each other, we wave at each other. And we might ask how, you know, each other's uh, uh, lives are going or whatever. And we kind of share life together as neighbors in a community. And that's really, that's essential. And it's it's important. I think Jesus tells us a story about a a man who was neighborly to somebody that he wasn't expected to be neighborly to. Somebody that was kind of um, despised in society and looked down upon. But this guy, is neighborly to him. So sometimes our neighbors are those people that we just come across in our path, and for who knows what reason, just because God orchestrated it, and that's, that's the way it works out. Sometimes our neighbors are our family members, our co-workers, our classmates at school, whoever it is that God has put in our path, the people that we're doing Little League with, uh, or whatever else. These, all these people, these people who are there was an old Sesame Street song, These are the people in your neighborhood. And you remember that? They would list all the people that were in your neighborhood. And, and so all these people that you come across every single day, um, in the regular rhythms of your life, these are our neighbors. And and for a lot of us, we have also a sense of of our global neighbors, brothers and sisters around the globe who need our prayer and our support and our love. And, and some of you, God has given a vision for your global neighbors, and that's beautiful and powerful too. But we have these neighbors. So what I want to sit on for just a second, though, is that this phrase, that what if love your neighbor actually means, actually means love your neighbor. And for the next two weeks, what we're going to do is kind of take a look at this mission that we've been called by Christ and, and placed on in our lives to actually go out and love our neighbors well. And not just love them in, in terms of like have a sense of positive emotions for them or whatever, but actually to, in, in, not just in word, but in deed to serve them, to, um, to act out that word love, to put action to what we usually consider just an emotion And uh, and so, but what if loving your neighbors actually means loving your neighbors? So the first thing I want to challenge you to do this morning is get to know your neighbors, like your physical ones, the ones that live near to your house. Like, get to know your neighbors. Some of these people you have seen over and over and over, and many of us uh, never take the time, or we say we're going to take the time, we kind of never get around to it, there's never a good time, to actually go introduce ourselves and get to know our neighbors in a way that is uh, meaningful and and building up of a relationship. And some of us, I know some of us are really scared of relationships. You're doing this isolation thing just fine, right? But but for a lot of us, it's like, it's actually for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, the call to love our neighbors is not just a suggestion. It is what sets us apart and marks us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so are you loving your neighbor well? The first step is like, get to know them, right? Actually get to know the people who live close to you. Jamie and I just moved into a, a new house this last year, and uh, have been going through that process of getting to know our neighbors. And we're starting to <clears throat> really uh, build some relationships, and, and uh, you know, we'll see each other, and we'll not just wave hi, but but actually check in on reports that we heard from the last time we talked to them, and things like that. Check them and see how they're doing. And it, part of it started around uh, we had we had got to know a few of the neighbors, but but around Christmas time, we we just said let's get to know the rest of them, and so. Uh, we went to Walmart and bought those five-dollar tins of popcorn that you, you know, for, that you they set out at Christmas time. And we bought about ten of them. And we just walked door to door around our, all the houses around our house, giving people a, a Christmas tin of popcorn and introducing ourselves and saying, "Here's our phone number. Uh, this is the house that we live in. Uh, give us a call if you ever need anything. If you need us to get your mail, whatever. Just develop, developing those relationships. We want those people to be people that we are actually." not just living near but doing life with right <clears throat> that's when neighboring becomes really really beautiful what if loving your neighbors actually means actually means exactly that love your neighbors i think a lot of times we are guilty of taking a concept like love your neighbors and we turn it into just that this this kind of weird concept where it's like oh yeah jesus just means kind of love everybody right and um and and it, the problem with loving everybody is that it usually leads to loving nobody if If you can just kind of kind of create this category of we 're just supposed to love everybody um, a lot of times it it kind of gets you off the hook of loving particular individuals and I think Jesus has actually called us. Not so much, like to me, this is just me, and, and you might find a verse to prove me wrong and call me a heretic, you're welcome to do that. It's Facebook, I'm expecting it, right? So, But to me, like loving everybody is Jesus' job. I can't love everybody, but you know who I can love? I can love the people that Jesus has put in my path. I can love those individuals, I can love real flesh and blood people that I can get to know that I can, that, 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 and some, some, some will be people I'm in relationships. Some of them will be people I just encounter for one day, for one moment, but whatever. The people that God puts in my path, I believe that's the people that God has called me to love. Now, obviously I, I have concern and care for people all over the world that I've never met, but I feel like my calling, my mission is to love well those people that God has put in my path. And so let's be a people that love our neighbors well. I actually think that <clears throat> it's no accident that God has placed you in this place, in this time in history, in your neighborhood, at your job. Like I don't think any of that is an accident. I think I got a little bit of scripture to back me up. There's a story in Acts chapter uh, 17. Acts chapter 17. Paul is uh, preaching a sermon uh, to a bunch of uh, skeptics. And he's he's kind of describing you know the way God has brought this world together, and he makes this this little uh, phrase a couple of verses here. He says this: From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And listen to this: He marked out their appointed times in history, and the boundaries of their lands. Why did he do that? Paul's getting ready to tell us. God did this so that they would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him, and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Like God's plan, God's purpose is, first of all, when that, that that last phrase, though he's not far from any one of us, for some reason that reminds me of that, I don't even know, I don't know if it's a real fact, it might be like a pseudo fact, but I've heard that, that, that so-called fact that none of us are ever more than six feet away from a spider. So some of you are like freaking out right now. My daughter Meadow's freaking out right now. She's tearing the cushions apart on the couch that she's sitting on right now. I know that. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so you just never know how close you are to stuff like that. But I love that, that Paul says, though, God is not far. He's never far from any one of us. Never far. And the way now we all know that kind of in a spiritual sense, God is with us. He's around us. He lives in us. You know, that sort of thing. We get that. But I think actually what Paul is saying is that the reason God is not far from any one of us is because he put you where he put you. And as, as, as small, as little temples of Christ, little, little dwelling places of the Holy Spirit, everywhere we go, every house we live in, every job we take, every class you take, every little league game you go to, whatever, you take the Lord with you so that people all around us are never far from God. Why? Because you're bringing him with you. And I I, I love that idea that God has appointed times and histories and marked out boundaries of land. Like, it's not an accident that you live in the house that you live in. It's not an accident. It, It may be your dream house. It may be the only house that was on the market when you needed a house. But it's not an accident that you live there. It's not an accident that you have the job that you have. It might be the most fulfilling job of your life, and it might be the worst of your life. But it's not an accident that you have that job. It's not an accident that you have the classes that you have at school with the exact mix of people in those classes. God has orchestrated all that. The details of your life, get this, the details of your life are a part of God's strategy for saving the world. The details of your life are a part of God's strategy for saving the world, which brings me to our next big point, and that's this, that God orchestrates your times and places on earth so that some will be rescued. He orchestrates your times and places on earth so that some will be rescued. And it's so easy for us to just kind of float through life going from place to place from time to time and and not be aware of the mission that we're on in those times and places. I think there's a reason why we're going, like we're the group that God chose to go through what we're going through in history now. At this time and in this place and in this city and on this Facebook Live, I don't think any of you are are watching Facebook Live right now by accident. I think God orchestrated that right now to this very moment. And part of the reason He orchestrates all that, part of the reason He has put all this together and pieced it all together is because through your time in history, through your place and where you are geographically, He is strategically planning the rescue of some who need rescue. Don't allow yourself to just fall into this kind of float through life attitude of, you know, just totally unaware of what God is trying to do in your life. Some of you uh, good Christians I know uh, pray constantly that God would reveal his will to you, that he would give you a plan and a purpose and a mission for your life that felt big. There is nothing bigger than just being where God has placed you to be and doing what God has called you to do, to just share the good news of Jesus Christ with people who desperately need to hear it. There's nothing bigger than that. There's no bigger call. That is why Jesus came to do everything that he did, to bring about this good news, to rescue all of humanity. And he passed that commission that we call the Great Commission on to us. He says, I want you to go out and do the same. I want you to go out and and teach and preach and baptize and make disciples and do all that kind of stuff. All of us have that role in our lives. And so it's no accident where you live or where you work or where you play. I don't even think it's an accident that the interests and the hobbies that you have. I can't tell you how many people this is so ridiculous. I can't tell you how many people over the years I've led to Christ where our conversations started off in conversations about Star Wars. Right? Like like just just this crazy like who knew that when I was 5 years old in 1977 and my cousin, my teenager cousin came home one day telling me about a movie he had seen where there was this big hairy dude named Chewbacca and everything else. And I was just sitting there with five-year-old eyes going, oh my gosh, I feel like I need to see this movie. I started begging my mom and dad to take me to see this movie. They finally did, probably about six months after everybody else had already seen it. But I went to see it and I was just blown away. And then it became this thing like it was such a major marker in my life that I would look forward to every new installment that I would just geek out about it. Who knew that 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 little stirring in a little boy's mind would eventually grow into opportunities to make connections with people who have similar experiences or similar passions and not just Star Wars but anything else. But Star Wars evangelism is a real thing, right? Like just, just make those connections with people however you can make those connections. It causes me to be able to connect with some people that you wouldn't be able to connect with. You have interests and hobbies in your life that allows you to connect with some people that I wouldn't be able to connect with. And that, I believe, even in our interests and our hobbies, that is God orchestrating something beautiful to come together so that some could be rescued. Nothing's accidental. Who you are, how you're made up, where you live, all that kind of stuff. I don't believe, even the time in which you're living right now, none of that is an accident. It's all part of God's master plan to rescue this world. Allow yourself to begin to see yourself that way. And the way I think you need to do that is as we leave this setting, this Facebook Live meeting today, and you start kind of committing some of these ideas to prayer, what I want you to pray about is this, that you would just surrender every single detail of your life to the gospel. Even the things that you're not excited about, even the things that you think are insignificant, it doesn't matter. Like, surrender every detail of your life, your hobbies, your favorite foods and restaurants, your workplace, where you go to school, where you live, all the other things, your church life, your everything. Surrender every single... Don't don't, don't segment your life into, this is my real life, and this is my faith life, and, and never the two shall meet, right? No, no. Surrender every detail of your life to the purposes of the gospel and ask God, God, I've got these weird interests. I've got these, you know, whatever. I'm, I've got these abilities that, you know, I don't think anybody even cares about. What, I'm going to surrender all this to you. And if you can use it for your glory and to bring people to you and to rescue people who need to be rescued, to save people who need to be saved, then I, I give all of that to you. I just give it all to you. Now, what I want to do as we close out sometimes we close out with different prayers and uh, and we say them together sometimes it's the lord's prayer or some things like that but I, I, lately i've been praying this prayer that we talked about earlier called the jesus creed and i wonder if you would pray it with me it's it's on the screen you can see it there but just pray it with me let's pray it about 3 times let's just kind of pray it together because there's something powerful about realizing that when it comes to loving god and loving your neighbor there is no greater commandment. I think as Christians, a lot of times we're guilty of, of looking at the whole Bible and going, "There's so many rules, there's so many laws. How do I keep them all?" Or we, we lord those laws over people and try to make them fit into a particular shape. And Jesus distilled all the, all the law, all the scripture. He distills it down into two, I'm all about simple things. Keep it simple, right? I'm all about simple things. And he distills everything, everything in the Bible down to two phrases, love God and love each other. Love God and love your neighbor. And no other law is greater than those laws, none. And so commit this to prayer, pray it as a prayer, like really internalize it and allow yourself to get to a place to where you go, this is what my life has to be about. Just those two things. Everything else will fall into place. Everything else the Holy Spirit will work out of me, whatever. I just want to be a person who loves God well and loves my neighbor well. Like if we can do that, I think the church would be re-revolutionized again in the 21st century. And we should try to do that. Would you just pray this with me? It's up there on your screen. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Say it with me one more time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus, we love you this morning. And we thank you for orchestrating our lives down to every single detail the way that you have. And God, thank you for making us aware this morning that none of that is accidental. Everything has a purpose. All of it becomes a part of our mission and a part of your strategy for reaching the world. So help us to love well. Help us to love you well, but help us to love our neighbors well too. Uh, God, help us to become aware uh, that everybody that we meet in our path is a potential neighbor, it's a potential friend, it's a potential person that ne- needs to be saved, needs to be rescued. And uh, just give us that, that sense of presence in our mission and in our ministry everywhere we go. And we'll give you the praise for it. God, right now, I pray that this week you would ordain some divine appointments with all of us who are listening right now. Just orchestrate some divine meetings, whether they're online or as we're out walking our neighbors, neighborhoods or whatever, like, like, God, I pray that you would just orchestrate some divine appointments and that your gospel could go out and be legitimately what it is. Good news. The good news that somebody needs in their life to change and transform their life into something incredible, more incredible than they ever dreamed it could be. And we thank you for using us in that process. Thank you for using this simple creed to focus and simplify our faith and help us to keep it that simple. God, give us the faith to love you better than we do and give us the courage to love others as much as we love ourselves. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.